take anything for granted, right? Especially when you are really challenged the way the Utes will be this week against the Bengals. Really challenged. <laughs> the Utes couldn't lose this game if they had to run backwards. The Utes could play with their eyes closed and win it. The Utes could play that game with each one of them with a 10-pound weight around their neck. They could play that game with the wrong shoe on each one of their feet and still win. The Utes could play that game and wear fedoras. Instead of helmets? <laughs> I don't know. There's just no way the Utes can lose that game. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk a little college football, shall we, Gordo? Yeah, uh, before we get to that, uh, somebody else, uh, one of our listeners said uh, something along the lines that uh, uh, Utah could try it out BYU's football team and beat Idaho State. Mm-hmm. They probably could. Real quick, let me read a couple of these, uh, these tweets that are coming in off our discussion previously. Uh, one of our listeners says, uh, uh, going to a better school is just like going to a better company when you're employed. There is nothing wrong with it. It's not unfair. The better the player is, the more they will be worth, and they will end up at the bigger schools they do anyway. And Cameron says, Jake, you're spot on. I don't know why this is so difficult to understand, Gordon. They will only cause an even bigger divide between the top, middle, low-tier teams. That, that might be true. I get what you're saying. I just don't know how far this will go. And maybe it will be absolutely destructive to the overall process. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure. I, I don't know what the overall effect will be with any certainty. I would, I would bet that guys like Jalen Johnson or guys like uh, Jordan, um, um, backup running back, I'd, Wilmore, thank you, thank you, Austin, those guys would never end up at Utah because they would be way more incentivized because they were big-time recruits to go to big-time programs. Unless there's only so many of those schools where that would be the case, and then there would be spillover to other places. It's already What are you way. taking, cash or playing time? It, You're going to take cash. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, but you're not going to be. Are you going to be offered that cash if somebody else? If if you're a high level recruit, you are. You think? Yeah, oh yeah. All right. All right. Uh, he joins us every week. Uh, of course, catches podcast college football country. You can uh, hear him on uh, WFNZ in Charlotte, but also on Sirius and XM Radio. He's our good friend Josh Parcell. Hello, Josh. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Have you built the Micah Simon statue yet? <laughs> I think they just uh, what Gordon laid the foundation for that down in Provo. <laughs> I think they're they're getting to work. What'd yeah, you... that was some one crazy ending to that game, wasn't it, Josh? Oh my goodness, man! Good good for you guys. What a what a thrilling finish. Uh, honestly, probably a little bit more Tennessee losing it than BYU winning it. But hey, doesn't matter how it happens. Uh, man, I, I couldn't believe Tennessee let that happen, but. Good for BYU. I mean, Kalani Sataki is such a great coach, and, and those guys never quit uh, at BYU. And, and that was the epitome of, of a Sataki game last Saturday night in Knoxville, uh, just driving the stake through the hearts of Tennessee. Great win for BYU. And, hey, uh, what's your reward? But, uh, you know, you get to bring USC to town. Yeah. Real quick, what was the reaction of Tennessee's fan base uh, off that game? Uh, not great. Um, catastrophic even. Um, it's actually funny. I, uh, I tuned in that night to, uh, one of the call-in shows in Knoxville just, just to see, just to see how it was going. And, uh, 
guys, I mean, it was it was a massacre on the radio. Uh, I, I heard uh, I heard one caller call in and call uh, the quarterback for Tennessee, Jarrett Guantanamo Bay. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it wasn't going very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're not happy in Tennessee, man. And let's face it, like Tennessee is a program that obviously expects championships. I don't think that's very realistic for Tennessee football anymore. I don't think they're uh, an Alabama-type program. They've got a lot of resources, but hard to recruit to Tennessee uh, just given where they are uh, compared to some of the other schools nearby. So uh, Jeremy Pruitt is in a tough spot. I think that he has to do some reevaluating of how he's managing uh, the the upperclassmen in that program right now uh, who have been through a lot. Uh, I think he's probably a little bit too tough on some of those kids who are giving their off in a losing effort. But um, but either way, it's it, it's a rough time in Tennessee. And, and right now the Vols are looking at maybe starting one and six. And I, I don't want to be anywhere near Knoxville if that happens. You mentioned USC. We do get to see them play BYU this week and then Utah next week. And what you make of them absolutely dismantling Stanford? I mean, I was impressed. I mean, how can you not be? That was that was an awesome game for them. And, you know, sometimes, guys, you just you just stumble into something. And, and they might have stumbled into a quarterback in Keaton Slovis who was great. I mean, tremendous. He you know, leads the country in completion percentage, 83%. He you hardly uh, saw the ball touch the dirt on Saturday night. I think Stanford's a, a good team. I don't think this is a, anywhere close to a vintage Stanford team. And, of course, they were missing you know, their quarterback as well in K.J. Costello. But, I mean, for Slovis to come in and, and light up Stanford, it was incredible. And, you know, that's, uh, that makes this test all that much tougher for BYU this week. And I think for USC, the challenge for them is going to be to sustain excellence throughout – what is going to be a turbulent season. They just, you know, Lin Swan finally steps down. That was kind of expected for a while um, here in, you know, or down there in USC. But I think how they're going to be able to sustain this through a tough schedule early on, BYU's a good football team. We saw that. And, of course, Utah even better. Um, you know, it'll, it'll be a test for them. But they've got a lot of talent. That's never the question at USC. This is definitely a bigger challenge uh, for, for BYU, even though it is at home. This is a much tougher test than what Tennessee offered them last weekend. The line is four. Uh, do you think the Cougars really do have a shot to beat the Trojans? What, and what do you think they have to do in order to accomplish that? This is something Jake and I have been talking about. Are you a believer in pressuring the quarterback or dropping guys back in coverage? I think – so in the NFL, I actually think it's better to drop guys back um, and just try to rely on your front four. But in college, especially when you've got a freshman – uh, you want to make him make quick decisions. And by getting pressure onto them, uh, that's how you do that. You know, I've, I've covered and, and followed Virginia Tech for a long time. And, Jake, I'm sure you know this. I mean, Bud Foster has had a ton of success at putting pressure and dialing up uh, a lot of blitzes on young quarterbacks. And, and that's really been proven to be a, a successful strategy a lot of times. So I think at the college level, I think it's more about blitzing, especially on obvious passing downs, you know, second and long, third and long, making him get the ball out of his hands quickly, not allowing him to be able to go through progressions, I think is actually the, the, the smarter play. So I do think that that's something BYU should probably consider, um, is just trying to get after Slovis and, and force him to speed up his decision-making and, and hope for the best. I think the longer that you let USC's athletes, those receivers and backs, um, in space and try to create separation – 
I do think that that's an advantage for USC. So my strategy, I'm not a coach, but I would try and dial up some pressure and, and see if that gets to Slovis and, and gets him out of his comfort zone. Josh, is there a team out there in this young season that you've watched that uh, is kind of overperforming what you expected? Wisconsin. Hmm. I, I, uh, I was down on Wisconsin this year. They replaced a lot of offensive linemen, uh, brand-new quarterback. Uh, I know Jonathan Taylor is tremendous. Love that guy. I think he's going to be a pro. But um, I, I wasn't sold on Wisconsin being this dominant. I mean, you watch them against South Florida, shutting them out 49 to nothing in week one, and then last week following it up, with another just, uh, uh, I mean, annihilation of, of Central Michigan. Uh, not great quality of opponent, but Wisconsin has been thoroughly dominant. And, you know, in a week, they're going to take on Michigan at Camp Randall. If you ask me right now who I believe has the edge in that game, I say Wisconsin. And I wouldn't have said that a couple weeks ago. So the Badgers are all of a sudden quietly looking like a, a legitimate team. And you combine that with, you know, Northwestern not getting off to a great start with their loss to Stanford, Nebraska doesn't look like everything's clicking quite yet in the Big Ten West. I think Wisconsin, yet again, (laughs) it seems like every year we want to doubt them at some point, but I think Wisconsin looks like the class of the Big Ten West right now in what was supposed to be a down year for that division. Josh, uh, Utah playing Idaho State uh, this Saturday. How do you feel about these mismatches? Obviously, Idaho State will take some money away from this. There are upsets that happen at times, but no upset's going to happen here. This is just going to be a wipeout. Uh, how, how do you feel about these games? Uh, I think they're necessary for the health of collegiate athletics. Um, it, it, they pay the athletic department's budget for the entire year for a school like Idaho State, and that's important. Um, if we want to keep college athletics alive at the lower levels, these games have to happen. Nick Saban went on a long rant this week yet again about, you know, they played New Mexico State, and he's getting criticized for playing that game, but there is value in it, and I know the fans don't love to see it, but these players, these college players, whether it's at Utah or Alabama, it doesn't matter, going up against eight, nine power five teams in your conference in a row takes a toll on your body. And if you were to open that up to 12, um, that's very difficult on these kids who are only practicing 20 hours a week and, you know, are also students. I mean, let's, let's face it. I know that some people will, you know, be skeptical of how much, you know, focus is put on, on school versus football, but a lot of these kids are, you know, they're focused on being students as well. I, I just think that these games are necessary to, for, from a financial standpoint for a school like Idaho State. And also, you know, Lincoln Riley made a great point this week, guys, when he was asked about this same subject. And he said, this is the opportunities that we get. We don't have preseason. This is a chance for us to play some of our younger players. You know, remember the NCAA just changed the rule last year that now guys can play up to four games without redshirting. These are the kind of games where that rule comes into play. And, you know, for Utah, this could be a chance to develop some depth at, at important positions, give some younger guys an opportunity to see the field, you know, build up a lead early, and then, you know, it's good for the health of your football team to get some of those guys game reps. So I think that it actually can be a value to these teams, even if we know that it's going to be a blowout and the fans might leave at halftime. The coaches and the players do get a lot out of these games. Josh, real quick before we let you go, Gordon and I were just arguing about this in the last segment, but what do you think about what's going on in California and the legislature basically um, trying to change the rules of amateurism that uh, college players can profit off their own likeness? 
I'm very glad that it's happening. This pay-for-play bill is uh, is an important thing in college football that I don't think is getting enough attention. I'm glad you guys brought it up. It it doesn't seem like it has become like a pervasive storyline yet when we talk about college football, but this could change the landscape because I know the NCAA has threatened to you know, potentially ban California schools from NCAA-sanctioned championships and stuff. I really can't see that happening. Um, but if California can pass this, there is legitimate uh, belief out there that it would set the precedent for other states to follow suit. And if that happens, you know, we could be looking at um, a, a, cha- a radical change to the landscape of college athletics. And I think for the good, I've never been a proponent of the schools paying the players. I think that they spend the money on the coaching staff and the facilities. I think that's great. It, it, the Title IX implications of paying football players, and then you also have to pay the, the volleyball team and the soccer team who don't generate the revenue. So I, I've never been a proponent of that. But allowing these guys to capitalize on their likeness, jersey sales, endorsements, local sponsorships, whatever it might be, I think that is an important and necessary step that college football needs to take, and I'm glad that California is trying to make that happen. Josh, what we were arguing over was the overall effect that would have, and I don't know the ins and outs of it enough to know whether it would be an absolute free-for-all or whether there would be some leveling to it because Jake was saying that, well, if a kid goes to USC, he's going to make more than he would if he went to, say, Utah or some other place like that. So do you think there would be a framework in place that they would make it more equal? Um, I hope not. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, the idea behind it is to create a free market. And, I mean, let's face it, guys. I mean, a lot of kids right now are going to USC anyway. Uh, I mean, they're going to go to USC over Utah most of the time because of the resources, because of the tradition, and because of everything else. So, I mean, I don't really know. I think that the the dangerous collateral damage that could happen from this is what it could do in recruiting where you could basically have – these handshake agreements that, you know, uh, a car dealership in whatever town is going to give a guy $100,000 to sponsor, you know, endorse his, his car dealership. And that's basically just an, a, a recruiting payment. There is that aspect of this. But at the end of the day, I think that that will police itself in a way. And these. The reality is these guys are getting paid right now as it is. A lot of them. A lot of college football players, they're getting paid under the table. I've talked to guys at schools, not Alabama, not USC, not Texas, not the big ones. I'm talking middle, middle programs in Power Five who are getting paid by boosters and alumni, whether it's 100 bucks, 500 bucks to pop, it, it happens in college football. I think bringing it above board is good for everybody. And, you know, the, the, the most powerful programs will always thrive. But if you want to go to USC and make a lot of money and ride the bench, okay, I don't really see that happening. You can go to Utah, like you guys pointed out, and be a big-time player, and, and you'll, you'll see the benefits of that financially and, and also beyond is potentially you know, becoming an NFL player or a star in college. Josh, thank you very much as always. Enjoy the college football this weekend, and we'll catch you next week. You bet, guys. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Josh. Josh Parcell of Sirius XM Radio does college football show, also WFNZ in Charlotte, and uh, the College Football Country podcast. Want to remind you about our friends at Syringa, Verizon, and XO customers. If you were recently notified that some of your telecommunication services will no longer be supported, contact Syringa Networks, Utah's fastest growing premier telecommunications provider. They have a full range of services. Call today, 385 420 8221. That number again, 385 420 8221. Maybe you're right, Jake. 
maybe you're right. Maybe that it would have some sort of drastic effect, but maybe Josh had some interesting comments there. Uh, one thing's for sure is that this is going to lead to all kinds of discussion. Oh, it's coming it, to a head. Yeah, and, yeah, and, it is. And this really, if it is going to be, if it's going to revolutionize college sports, of course, Josh was essentially saying that it's already been revolutionized because payments are already being made of one sort or another. All right, we'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.